Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Family service, so no Kids City that night, but it'll be a shortened service be really fun. So plan to be here for that. And then we're done for the year. So the next two Sundays are holidays. Christmas actually lands on a Sunday this year and New Year's Day lands on a Sunday. So we're just going to take those Sundays off, give our volunteers a break on those Sundays. Just be with your family, make the most of that time. So don't show up here because the doors will be locked. All right. Okay. December 24th, last service of the year. Put that, put that on your calendar. All right. Last but not least, Hopefully you are on our email list and you saw this week we did a little video announcement of our upcoming classes for January. We always break in January from our life group so we can meet here once a week as a church. We've got two classes, okay, studying the Bible, making disciples. So be thinking about what class you want to sign up for and get signed up this month so we can have food and childcare arrangements made for that. All right, studying the Bible. Maybe you're new to the Bible. Maybe the Bible feels really intimidating. Or maybe you've been around the Bible a long time and it just feels a little dry, maybe a little boring in this season. Studying the Bible, class for you. Okay, it's going to be some new techniques, practical tools of how to dig into God's word and let the Holy Spirit counsel you and teach you through his word. Making disciples is the second class. All right, maybe you have been in the Word for a while, you've been around the church a while, you know that Jesus left us with a really important command, and that's to share our lives and make disciples of other people. All right, this, is, this class will be giving you some practical tools of how to influence those around you, maybe in your workplace, at school, in your home, for God's kingdom. All right, more information on our website, more information about the classes, you can get registered there. Last but not least, there is a charge for these classes. If that is an issue, it should not be, so just come find me. We'll work all the financial details out. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. That was a lot of information. <laughs> all right, God, we, we thank you so much as we wrap up 2022. God, I pray that in this season of Advent, God, would you still our hearts and let us just look at this amazing gift of your son that came to earth took on the full human experience, and God walked a life that we walk and died the death that we no longer have to die. And so, God, we just are so grateful in this season of Advent. We fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. All right. Well, hope you came ready, because we're going to dive into God's Word today. Um, well, we are, uh, last week we started a little series, Christmas series, called Emmanuel, and uh, that's coming from a verse that we find in Matthew about Jesus being the Emmanuel, the God with us, uh, fully man, fully God, and so just in this season we're kind of pausing and just fixing our eyes on Emmanuel. So, uh, if you were to kind of just, well, I'm just launch off our kind of talk this morning, if, uh, if, you were, if, you were, if we were to survey the culture in which we live, 
What would be the answer to the question, what is the goal in life? What is the goal in life? What are we here for? What are we here for? Now, I'm sure you'd probably get a multitude of different answers, uh, personalized for the giver of the answer. But more often than not, I would bet $100 that they would, in some way, shape, or form, be articulating, the majority of them would be articulating a similar idea. And that idea of what we're here for, what's the goal for life, is this word happiness. In this generation, in this culture, probably what answers that question is happiness. Happiness is the goal for life. Happiness is what we're here for. And so our goal is to try to eke out as much happiness as we can out of this life before, as we're kind of told, we kind of just die. There's really nothing afterwards. There's really no account given. There's just maximized happiness and then go spend, you know, six feet under for eternity. If you haven't been aware that the world molds us to long for greater levels of happiness, for this life as the spirit of the world would want to make us believe that's all there is. We abandon God for the alluring mess of his mirage and fleeting experiences we have with happiness. I grew up in the, in the church, and there used to be an old-school song, real simple. And uh, it kind of went, faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Oh, God, don't know. That's like a four. Come on, don't even. Uh, but it, this song was just kind of resonating in my brain this week because it's like, man, the song has changed. The, this generation sings happiness. Happiness is what I long for. This is what our heart longs for. And all the messages that we're surrounded by is trying to sell us happiness while we're being robbed of joy. And you and I were made to operate with joy, not happiness. We abandon God for happiness because that's what we think brings meaning. We end up with a life chasing the dragon. Happiness fixes. Happiness fixes. We're looking for happiness fixes. Chasing the dragon is kind of an attic term in which you're trying to chase after that first high that you got. And it's never as high, it's never as great, it's never as pure as that first high. And so you spend the rest of your life chasing the dragon. Living off of an old memory that you had an experience one time, and I'm just trying to go back to that place. I'm trying to relive that one moment that I remember was so beautiful. You and I were made for and designed by God to live in the joy that he offers and not striving after the world's poor substitute of happiness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, pray that as we come before you, that we would hear from you, straight from your spirit, straight from your word. That God, that you would teach us and train us to be your people in this generation. God, that you would wake us up from the malu, the, the soup that we swim in. God, that you would make us your people and empower us 
to be your sons and daughters in this generation. God, we all came here longing for that. And so we pray that you would speak into that in our lives today. Let us leave different. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, to kind of set our little time up, uh, I was reminded of a story in the Old Testament. And the nation of Israel, God's people, the height of their kingdom was about, about 1,000 B.C., And after David and after Solomon, really after Solomon, that nation began to decline. And around uh, 560 B.C., they go into exile. And Babylon takes them into captivity, and they're in captivity. And uh, then the Persians come and and conquer the Babylonians, and the Persian king is gracious to the Hebrews, the Israelites, And he grants them permission to go back to their temple, to Jerusalem, and rebuild their city. And so he not only sends emissaries to go do that, Jewish emissaries, representatives of the nation of Israel to go do that, he also financed it. And so Nehemiah, Ezra, and a whole cadre of uh, people that had been captive, exiles, now they're coming back to Jerusalem and they're rebuilding their city. Could you imagine the amount of grief and sorrow as you were coming back into the city in which your whole people, tribe, and nation, that was the centerpiece of their life. And you're walking into the city of Jerusalem and it's totally destroyed. You haven't been there for over 100 years. There's certain factions and certain people that have set up camp there. So your enemy's not just Assyria or uh, Persia. It's now maybe internal conflicts that Nehemiah and Ezra are having to go settle in the land of Jerusalem. And then we find this instruction by Nehemiah to the people there who are grieved, who are sorrowful. And he says this, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as if they heard, uh, as they heard the words of the law. Meaning, Nehemiah and Ezra were spending time reading God's law afresh over this people who had been exiled, who had been distant from God's law, distant from God's traditions and his ways. And they're reconstituting kind of the nation of Israel and they're rereading the law. And the law is convicting people's hearts of like, God, we need to get, we need to repent and get back in order to you. Then he says this, Then he said to him, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This phrase that Nehemiah issues to the nation of Israel, it's that God's joy will give you strength. And a lot of times we think that that joy is something that's conjured up through kind of white-knuckling focus and intensity, but actually that joy comes from God and God alone. So instead of the source of happiness being me and my optimal circumstances, of which I have little control over, Nehemiah reminds them that the joy of the Lord is their strength, meaning God is their source of joy. God is your source 
of life and joy. Have you ever viewed God as a God of joy? That one's a hard one because we never think that. We think that God is all these other facets that he is. But God being a God of joy, we haven't thought of that. If you read through the scriptures, you can see his joy bleeding through almost every page about his will, about his plan, about his children, about his family winning the nations back. So what's this word joy? It's this Hebrew word called kara, and it means inner rejoicing, delight, inner gladness of the soul, gladness of the heart. His joy produces deep assurance and confidence as to who he is and who we are and what this battle is all about. Joy is God's gift to his people. So imagine a healthy, loving father in real time, in real life, healthy, loving father spending time with his child. Daughter, son, doesn't matter. Spending time with his child. Imagine the perspective of the father, if you could maybe put yourselves in the shoes of a healthy, vibrant father. There's a delighting in and a rejoicing over your children because not what they do or don't do, because I know that they're going to make mistakes, but I love him for who he is, because he's mine. And the joy and the delight that that son sees in my eyes gives him strength, gives him safety, gives him protection. And so when I look in the joy of the eyes of the Lord, that is what gives us strength. And in the midst of maybe some battle circumstances that you and I may be in, Nehemiah reminds the people of God that even though the circumstances are bleak, I remind you that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in the child, it produces a confidence and assurance. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I know whose I am close enough that I know that I'm living in a way that pleases him. And when that's in alignment, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the kingdom of God, joy is constant, just like God is constant. Joy is not fickle. It is a constant source. Happiness is based upon circumstances, and if the circumstances aren't all in line, I'm unhappy. With God's joy, circumstances could look chaotic, but my soul is filled with the joy of the Lord. To go a little farther in our understanding, this isn't just playing word games in between happiness and joy. Thinking they're the same thing. They're the not. They're not. Because the opposite of happiness is sadness and sorrow. But the opposite of joy is unbelief. The opposite of joy is unbelief. Unbelief, not possessing abiding trust in God. When a life is rooted in unbelief, 
not trusting in God, not looking to God, all they're left with is usually themselves. And themselves, their self becomes God. They put themselves on the throne that's made for God, and we try to act like God. We want our wants, we want our dreams, we want our happiness. And when we focus on and live for self, happiness is the pitiable substitute that we live for when we're rooted in unbelief. However, when we're rooted in a believing loyalty to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that trajectory of life turns out much different. Instead of looking to yourself to be God, I'm looking to the actual God in reality. I'm lining my life up with reality. I'm believing in a God who's, who never fail me or forsake me, who's always faithful, whose love endures to the end. It's that God that we begin building a life with and we focus our eyes not on ourselves but on the author and finisher of our faith. And as we do, the joy of the Lord comes in our life. In this series, Emmanuel, it's about slowing down and focusing on Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. God came near through his son Jesus to give humanity access to the joy of the Lord that humanity was made for. And because of his perfect sacrifice, humanity, you and I can have relationship. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12.2, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the what? The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What is that joy that Jesus was looking forward to? He was having to go through sacrificial death. But there is a joy because he knows, he knew that the death of his life, this perfect blood sacrifice would actually open up humanity to now have access to a relationship with God. And God was like, I can't wait for this blood to be spilled so I can have relationship with my children again. That's the joy that Jesus was looking forward to. And God's like, now I can have relationship with my children the way that they were designed to relate to me so they can know me. Not just know about me, but to know me. Jesus even said this in John 15, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God's word, God's life in you working, that gives God joy. And in that, we are made full with joy. God eagerly desires us to see that his joy is constant and it gives us strength. Well, why would you need strength? Because again, usually you're in a battle. You're in a fight. There's a storm. Because we're usually under the circumstances that are not optimal is why you need strength. Now that word strength, let the joy of the Lord, that inner rejoicing, inner delight of God gives you strength. That word strength is in reference to enduring strength, like that of a fortress. You think of like the strength of a, 
of a strong fortress that can endure any arrow from their enemy, it just deflects off like a spring deep within our soul, able to quench our thirst regardless of how dire our circumstances may be. And again, we need strength. James, Jesus' own brother, wrote this in James 1. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God doesn't want you lacking anything. So let perseverance do its work, meaning that perseverance comes by enduring faith. And he all starts it off, consider it pure joy. Joy even in the hardship because his presence, which is what matters anyway, he's with you. Living as his righteous kingdom agents, as his redeemed and adopted sons and daughters of God. His joy gives your life stability, steadfastness, endurance, even when you're in the mud of a battle. The more you live, the more you see his, this whole life is a battle. Not just the one that you're currently in, but all of it. And you and I were made to get our strength from God's joy. And it's in these times that we have to be reminded to remind our soul to rejoice. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice Sometimes because of the battle, because of the storm, it can weigh us down so much. It can get our vision so focused in on the immediate moment that Paul's encouragement to the church is rejoice. Rejoice at all times. Rejoice in any circumstance. Rejoice. What does rejoicing do? It reminds us of God's involvement in all of it. Rejoice. Even in the hard times. Rejoice, O my soul. The battle can be overwhelming. You might be battle-worn. You might be tired and drawn out. Rejoice. He's brought you this far. And his joy is going to give you more strength for the season to come. When you and I rejoice, we're reminded of reality. I'm reminded of reality. God is God, and I'm not. I'm reminded that I'm his masterpiece so that I can do the things created in advance for me to do. A life with God is a life of calling and purpose that goes way beyond an unbelieving, selfish life living for happiness. But one that is birthed from believing loyalty in our creator and redeemer and in him is fullness of joy. Imagine the impact of your life. Instead of living for happiness, you draw your life and joy from God and God alone. Imagine the impact that you would have that that decision, maybe if you've made it here this morning, but that decision, imagine the impact that would have on your future. That you wouldn't be battling anymore the way you used to. That maybe in the future you'd be drawing life from God and his joy and that you may be able to endure any 
situation. Imagine what the impact it would have on your family, being a person of joy and getting your strength from God's joy. Imagine what would happen at work, you full of life, God's life-giving joy. So as we close, some of you may have never experienced this joy that we've been talking about. Maybe you've never experienced God's joy because you've yet to come to know Him. And that's okay. This is a search. This is a journey. This is a, God, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing after you. I'm pursuing after truth. Man, that's a good journey. But you know this life is made for more than just your happiness. Right? We can all get real. We know that we've pursued after happiness, and as we got there, it's fleeting, it's short-lived. And then to go on the hamster wheel again to try to find that moment again, there's got to be something bigger and better, and there is. But it's our sin, it's our pride, it's our rebellion, it's our unbelief that keeps us from experiencing God's salvation and the joy of the Lord healing us, restoring us, equipping you to walk in a manner worthy of the God who made you. God invites you in this moment to repent and come to Him. Bring all your brokenness and receive His forgiveness. So if we could, I'm going to do something unique. If we could just a two-part prayer, that'd be cool. Um, so for those uh, here that are just on searching, you're like, God, I, I don't know what this joy of the Lord is. I want to experience that. If that's you, just let's all just pray together. But if that's you, just in your heart, just kind of get alone with God in your imagination. Just get alone with Him. And you're just like, God, I come before you and I repent of my sin, my pride, and my rebellion, my unbelief. And God, I ask you to forgive me. God, I've been looking to the world to give me life, and it's just given me sand. But God, I look to you to give me pure, abundant life, that the joy, that your joy may be my strength. That God, that I would live for you from this day on, that I would pursue and learn to be your disciple, to be a pursuer of your way. And that God, I'm not going to let any ways of the world get in the way of my journey and pursuit of following you the author and finisher of our faith. So God, I pray that you would right now author our faith. Begin it. Let it start now. Let not waste another day, God, giving you another excuse of why we can't come to you, why we can't yield all to you. God, I pray that right now today would be the day of salvation. And God, that we would come and yield our whole life to you to say, God, you, you are in charge. You are God. I am not. And I, make, and I come into agreement with that truth. In Jesus' name. Now, some of you, most of you here know the Lord. And you may have experienced His joy at some time or a time in the past. And this may just be a blessed reminder that your strength in this battle in life, comes straight from God. It doesn't come from anything that the world has to offer. It'll always lead you down a cul-de-sac. God's life always leads you 
to growth and abundant life. But some, you might mirror, there are some in here I think though that might mirror the cry of David, psalmist warrior king of Israel who said this in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I think for some that really resonates. And so for that, Lord, I just pray over these people, that God, that have known your salvation, that God, maybe it's been years since the authoring of that faith, but God, I pray, Lord, right now, that you would restore their joy with your joy with reminding them of your delight, of you rejoicing over them. And in that, just in this kind of spirit of prayer, I would just want to read over you Zephaniah 3.17, but kind of tailored to present day. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He rejoices over you with joy. He quiets you in his love. He rejoices over you with shouts of joy. Lord God, I pray that you would just restore the joy of those that are your children. But God, that need your strength, that God, that need your joy, God, I pray right now that you would just pour out your joy in their lives. Fill them up overflowing right now in Jesus' name. God, Holy Spirit, just fill their heart, fill their imagination. God, fill their lives. God, with your joy, with your strength, in Jesus' name. I just want to read that last verse over all of us, and then we'll pray, and then we'll end. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He rejoices over you with joy. He quiets you in his love. He rejoices over you with shouts of joy. Lord God, thank you for being a God of joy. God, that you are a God that eagerly desires to give us your joy, and we rejoice and celebrate you in that. Father, I pray that we would draw our life from your joy, your abundant source, your constant source that's always there every day. Father, may we draw our life from you and not from the mirage of the things the world offers. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. We'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.